Welcome to Leadership Shenanigans, a podcast about leading, following and running away. I'm Fiona Gherkin, the Principal Consultant at Little Things Consulting in Launceston, Tasmania. Welcome to Episode 9 of Leadership Shenanigans. This week I've decided to do something a little bit different. Last week I spoke at the WorkSafe conference called Safe Minds, Safe Bodies, And I spoke about my research and the burden of toxic people in the workplace. I thought for this podcast, I would actually share the audio recording of my talk on this topic. So please enjoy. To start today, I want to actually tell you a little bit of a story about what led me to doing research in this area. It was a few, quite a few years back now, but um, I was working for state government, uh, managing government funding contracts and worked as a liaison between the government and services that were funded within the community and disability sector. So my job was to make sure that services spent their funding appropriately, but also to keep them on track. So there's one service that I met with who were in real trouble. They had a extremely toxic workplace Their CEO, um, who had been with the company for over 20 years, went off on workers' comp, and the board were at their wit's end in terms of what to do. So I was meeting with the board and a woman we'll call Sarah, who had been appointed by the board to coordinate the service, but she wasn't managing the service. She'd actually previously been a board member because the board decided they couldn't bring anyone else in, that it would be too toxic, it would be too dangerous to bring anyone else into that workplace because the staff were so horrible because they'd been bullying um, the CEO, that's why she left, and they'd been bullying Sarah. So I said to them, you need to get someone in there who can help, someone who's skilled enough to fix the problems, who need to performance manage staff if they're misbehaving, and to really deal with the issues and find out what's going on on the ground because it was really clear that Sarah wasn't able to do this, that she she felt she had the skills, but the staff were bullying her. Um, she didn't even feel like she could work in the office, so she would work um, at the president's office. She said that the staff claimed she was recording their conversations. She claimed that the staff felt like she was just handed the job because she was one of the board members. And she seemed really sad and broken, and I was really empathetic to her. I thought, now this is really not fair. Um, but we need to find out what's going on on the ground. So as the liaison, I said, right, you need to put in a manager, you need to put in a new CEO. So they decided to advertise the position and as part of that process, they begged me to take the job. And I said, oh, I don't really want it. Sounds sounds a bit crazy. But for me, it was a dream job, being a a leader of a a company, of a business, of an organisation. So in the end, I did apply and I did get the position. And I was really quite shocked because I actually got it over and above people who were definitely more qualified than me, definitely more experienced than me, but I felt like maybe they believed in me enough, given they'd worked with me alongside them as their funder, to get things done and fix things. So I was stoked. So my task was to go in there, was to find out what the hell was going on, was to deal with the staffing issues, to performance manage staff and to protect Sarah from their behaviour. But as it is when you get one side of the story, when you turn up, things are very different. And I went in with that mindset that Sarah needed protecting. What I found was that Sarah was actually the problem, that she was actually recording people's conversations and playing into the board. 
but she was actually bullying staff. She was reporting back to the board things that weren't even true. So she was the one that had created this negative environment within the workplace. I also found out that the CEO of 20 years in this organisation lasted two weeks working with Sarah, and she went on workers' comp because Sarah was so toxic. But the way she did it was so manipulative and so overt that nobody really noticed. She didn't have the skills to do what she was doing. She'd lied about her qualifications. I found out later that she'd actually been handed the job by the board because she was being fired from her previous job for bullying. So I had a problem <laughs> because uh, Sarah and the board, um, of which two of Sarah's best friends were on the board, including the president, I had a problem because I needed to deal with what was going on with Sarah because I found out she was the problem. And I tried to talk to the president about this. I tried to discuss this with the board, but they wouldn't listen. They said that Sarah had come in at a difficult time and she tried to help the service and that she had essentially saved the service, which was not the case. I decided I needed to performance manage her because the staff were, they were terrified. They were actually terrified of her. And she got wind of this because her friends were on the board and they told her. So she went on workers' comp, which is quite common of toxic people. I'll often play the victim. And that's exactly what she did and claimed that I was bullying her. Um, it was the quietest six months in the office that I ever had. It was fantastic. I built rapport with the staff again. I was able to admit my mistakes in terms of coming in with this mindset that wasn't right. Um, we improved the culture and the well-being, and things were fantastic. I even had one staff member say to me that I was the best manager she'd ever had, and that always stuck with me. Unfortunately, the day she said that to me was the day I left. Because after 18 months of being bullied, lied to, and undermined by Sarah, she had destroyed my reputation with the board so much that I couldn't function anymore, and that they were looking to me as the problem now. Because after workers' comp was thrown out, they said they could not get rid of her because it was seen as unfair dismissal. So they started to look to me and I went, no, I've had enough. This is what led me to this topic. That was an experience that I'll never forget. Um, and you know, I could talk all day about what happened in this scenario. But what I discovered was a topic that has certainly sat with me. Because I've also realised that I've worked in other workplaces that have been quite toxic and damaging and even traumatising. So let's, let's work the clicker. Ah, there we go. <laughs> so what am I going to talk to you about today? I'm going to define toxic people for you and what I mean by that. I want to talk about the impact of psychological bullying. I'm going to talk a bit about my model of um, psychopaths in the workplace. Um, which is what my research is focused on. I'm going to talk a bit about what to look for, how to escape them. I've got some take-home messages for you and then we'll do some questions and answers if I don't talk too much. <laughs> so let's talk about toxic, what a toxic person is. Now I just want to get a bit of a feel in terms of who's in the room. Who here would say they've got someone in their life that they would call toxic or dangerous in some way? Okay. 
Keep your hand up if that person is someone you work with. Okay? Keep your hand up if the person is sitting next to you. Right? Whoever put their hand up just failed. You need to go and sit in the corner. You never tell someone that is toxic that they are. So how do I define a toxic person? It's a person who has no self-insight or empathy, who knowingly manipulates and sabotages and targets others for their own benefit. It's a win at all cost mentality. At the extreme end, we have what are known as psychopaths. Now, I'm not talking about those people who um, murder someone and bury them under their pavement. They're the people that are in, most of them hopefully, in prisons. Um, and they're the 1%. They're the high level criminal psychopaths. But there's what's called a, a, a successful psychopath, someone who functions day to day in the workplace and who targets people, manipulates people, um, uses things like relational aggression, so social, break down people's um, social networks, isolate people. And that's what I call a toxic person. Now, psychopaths in general, if you're looking at, uh, they say there's about one to 5%. So 1% is the criminal psychopaths, the really bad ones who meet every criteria. And up to probably 5% or potentially more people who are possibly in workplaces and quite successful, often CEOs, corporate people, Donald Trump, um, <laughs> most politicians. Um, so thinking today, I think at one stage I said there was going to be 300 people here, so we're looking to probably three to 15 people at the conference that potentially could meet the criteria for a psychopath. My advice is take social distancing seriously. <laughs> Keep your distance until you know someone well. So what are the key traits of a toxic person? They're usually a pathological liar, and they're good at lying. They're manipulative. They have big ideas, but no output. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, it's very grandiose, but nothing ever comes of it. Even as simple as, I'm gonna get you that report, I'm gonna get you that information, but it never arrives. They have no self-insight. They're too busy blaming everyone else when something goes wrong, but when something goes right, they did it all. I was talking about um, Sarah, so she, her term was, I saved the service by coming in. I saved this service. And that was definitely not true, but she believed that she did. But she had no self-insight into the behaviour and things she caused within the workforce. Lack of empathy is a massive one. If people don't care about others, they usually will do whatever it takes to get what they want, not caring how to fix other people. And they do not take responsibility for their own actions. It's always everyone else's fault. So what's the impact of psychological bullying? And it was really great to hear the other speakers this morning, Amy and Michael, because they talked a lot about stress and how stress can affect you. And psychological bullying is much the same in that the level of stress it causes causes lots of the same things that Amy and also Michael talked about. It causes anxiety, causes depression, causes absenteeism, where you arrive late, you go home early, you take long lunches, you take sick leave, you take stress leave, you go off on workers' comp. The crazy thing is, it's the same behaviour of someone who is potentially psychopathic. They'll arrive late, they'll go home early, they'll take long lunches. Because it starts to impact on you much the same way. You lose that level of motivation. You have high staff turnover, and if you look at any organisation that has lots of job ads, chances are, they have someone in their organisation that is a psychopath. 
loss of skills. So when you have high staff turnover, you're losing lots and lots of skills because people that are well-skilled will find it easy to go somewhere else, and they will. Uh, reduced motivation to get things done. If you're producing a product, if they're not going to work as hard, then you're not going to make as much money. And of course, it's going to increase costs and of course, reduce productivity, um, even just recruiting. So if you've got high staff turnover, you know, even advertising a job is really expensive. Um, so it's going to cost you a lot of money if you've got someone like this um, in your workforce. Okay, let's talk about the uh, psychopathy at work. So this is a model that I've developed as part of um, my PhD. Uh, I'm currently interviewing people around their experiences in the workplace. Um, I've currently interviewed 10 people as part of that process. And I know we, we talked a bit about suicide today and, and what stress can do to you. And two of those 10 people I've interviewed were at that point. Um, people that I'd actually known for some time who'd never talked about it because they were under so much stress. So this is, the, this is how a psychopath or a toxic person infiltrates a workplace. They start with a false narrative. Now the false narrative is the application process. So when they apply for the job, they'll have a really impressive resume, they'll have a really impressive cover letter, and they'll fill out the selection criteria and they will tick all the boxes, whether it's true or not. They'll be so good that you'll want to give them an interview. And that's where they'll do their debut performance. And they'll be charming and they'll be likeable and they'll be intelligent and they'll have massive ideas for your company and they're gonna really make things happen. They're gonna be your savior. So they're so good, you wanna employ them. This is what I call the Trojan horse phase. I'm assuming most people probably know about the Trojan horse, but I'll just give you a little bit of an overview. So um, the Greeks and the city of Troy were fighting and the Greeks decided that they wanted to stop fighting and give the city of Troy a gift. And what they did is they gave them this large wooden horse that when it came to the, the gates of um, Troy, they opened the gates and wheeled this horse in thinking it was a gift and the war was over. What they didn't know is that it was full with an army of men who were coming to destroy their city. Psychopaths and toxic people are much the same. They will come in, you think they're fantastic and it's once they're in and they've infiltrated and they've gotten to know all of your personal details, that is when they will target people. That's when you'll start to see what's known as Jekyll and Hyde. That's <laughs> what I call Jekyll and Hyde. Um, the charming and the evil. It's where they become really embedded. They know everybody. Initially, everyone really liked them. You could see their potential, but then things start to happen, cracks start to show. And Anne says, oh, that's not what she told me. Well, John says, oh, hang on a minute, he said this. So it starts to become two factions, those that still support the toxic person and those who don't. And there's real confusion because it's, hang on a minute, this person came in and they were fantastic. But then the truth gets known and people start to realise what's going on. And there's a few options. You can either fight them or you can leave. Um, fighting is often difficult with, with a psychopath because they will lie and they will manipulate the situation and often you can become the one that is disciplined or targeted and they'll play the victim much like Sarah did. 
But I guess the thing is, if you do nothing, what you end up with is a really, really bad culture. Because people will start to act out. I know I did. I started arriving late and going home early and taking long lunches. I wasn't getting work done because I just, I gave up because I wasn't believed by the board. And I thought, well, what's the point? You're going to support someone else. And I noticed that in the staff too. They were starting to show those behaviours um, that weren't very healthy for the culture. But also too, sometimes it can be contagious. If you've got one person who spreads lots of gossip and rumours, sometimes others can start to join in on that. So what to look for? Look at the behaviour both past and present. If you're employing someone, check them out. Look at what they've actually done, not what they're saying they've done. And look what they're actually doing, not saying they're doing. How do they talk about others? How do they talk about other people in the, work, in the workplace, but also how do they talk about previous employees and previous places they've worked? Seek evidence for their claims. Don't just assume what they're telling you is true. And this goes for employing people. Um, I know in the case of Sarah, because I was her manager and I was managing the service, I did make phone calls after this all started happening because I felt like, well, maybe it's me, maybe I'm just doing a really bad job. I wanted evidence to say that. I actually didn't want evidence to, to tell me the truth, but I actually wanted to say it's not me. And I certainly found that and wish I had done that sooner. <coughs> Trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right, just keep your distance. And if you have concerns, you need to make notes in case it goes further so that you've got documented evidence. I had about 100 pages. <laughs> so how do you escape these toxic people at work? I guess the thing is you can't control other people's behaviour. You can only control your own behaviour. With Sarah, I did try and help her. I did try and um, fix things between her and the staff. One stage I had her in an office near me so that the, she was not bullying the staff. But she actually saw it as me isolating her from the staff. But I was trying to protect everyone at the same time. But I could not control her behaviour and the way she responded to staff. Know the workplace processes and procedures and policies. How do you make a grievance? How do you make a complaint? Understand workers' comp. Not that I recommend workers' comp, but understand the processes for you to actually take things further and who you can trust within your organisation. Know where to go for help. So EAP counselling, fair work. You can contact places like Fair Work. Um, you can contact the unions and actually anonymously ask for help. This is my situation. What do you think I should do? So you're not immediately putting yourself out there. And be ready and willing to walk away. I can't express that enough. I've done that on a couple of occasions um, because my mental health means so much more. Um, I think that's certainly Michael's message today as well. Sometimes you do have to walk away, that the stress is not worth it. Okay. So, some take-home messages for you. Actions speak louder than words. Look at what they do and what they've done, not just what they say. So if you're employing people, that's really the best time for you to make sure employing the right people and the right fit. I heard a quote the other day that said, I think it was, it said Lincoln, I think it must have been Abraham Lincoln, said that if you, want, if you want to see a man's true character, give him power. So if you're putting people in high level positions with power over others, you'll often see how they truly respond. So finding out how they've previously worked in other places, 
ringing previous employees, even if they say not to, you need to let them know upfront at the interview, we're gonna ring your previous employer. Know where this person has come from and what they've done. Document your concerns. Again, I can't stress this enough. Make notes in your diary. Make verbatim notes about what's been said and what's been done in case things go further. Because often you can become the one that's targeted and you can become the one that people put in grievances about. And usually it's the person that's trying to protect themselves. Instead, they're playing the victim. Seek help. I've talked about EAP, fair work, someone within your organisation you can trust. And just remembering that you deserve to have a safe workplace. And that includes being mentally safe. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my talk at the WorkSafe conference last week on the 27th of July, 2022. Next week, I'll be back to my normal schedule. I'm not sure what the topic's going to be at this stage. I will see wherever the wind takes me and what I decide to talk about. Thank you again for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.